0: You're listening to the One Man Show Network. Welcome to the MMA Fight Picks Podcast with your host, Aaron Weinbaum. Weinbaum. Hey kids, and welcome to the MMA Fight Picks Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Weinbaum, and unfortunately this week I don't have any fights to pick, and I didn't want to leave you hanging, so here is a very special interview I did with Leslie Smith from the Aaron Says What Podcast. Enjoy. I'm here with Leslie Smith, professional MMA fighter in the UFC's women's bantamweight division, coming off of two wins, I might add. But really, you have a whole lot, heck of a lot more going on than just fighting, and uh, that's what we're here to discuss. How are you?
1: I'm doing really well. I'm a happy person.
0: That's awesome. I, I've heard you make the rounds on a few podcasts that I listen to regularly, and uh, like everyone else, I met you through one of my MMA accounts, and I'm very Uh, grateful to talk to you firsthand.
1: Well, I'm honored to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you so much. Um, now you've started something for mixed martial martial artists, uh, called Project Spearhead. And to someone like me, not in your line of work, can you kind of explain what it is, you know, you're trying to do for the fighters?
1: Yeah, totally. Well, the situation that we're in right now is that all fighters, probably all fighters in general, but I'm just going to focus on UFC fighters. Mm -hmm. All of the fighters in the UFC are classified as independent contractors. And so that means that we sign a contract and we are independent contractors. So we don't get the same protections or benefits that employees get. Employees are able to form a union and they're able to have a seat at the bargaining table And when major decisions are made inside of the company, the employees actually have a say inside of those decisions. But as it stands right now, since we are being called independent contractors and not employees, we don't have a say in any of the decisions. We don't get any kind of benefits. We don't even have full medical insurance.
0: Wow.
1: But... We're still being treated like employees in uh, the National Labor Relations Board has a list of criteria. There's 11 different things that it evaluates whether or not a person is an independent contractor or an employee. And so strippers and FedEx workers are examples of some groups of people who... felt that they were being misclassified as independent contractors, which is a very common practice that employers do to avoid having to pay taxes and having to do benefits and having to listen to their employees.
0: Wow. Um,
1: So, since we... Some examples of things that we have in common with strippers are the fact that we use the USC's equipment when we perform, we are um, in uniform right. when we perform. And strippers don't even have uniforms. They, they, they actually have more leeway in what they want to wear than we do. Wow. But it is still highly regulated. Like They're told how high their heels can be and which songs are allowed to play and how long they can be on the dance floor. And those are all, we have so much in common. It's fascinating, really. And then um, supervision, that is an aspect of it. Uh, so we I strongly believe, and a lot of other people do too, that we are actually employees, but since we're being classified as independent contractors, we can't take advantage of the benefits of being an employee, namely the ability to unionize. So unionizing... I <laughs> um, man, you get me started. Interrupt okay. me at any point in time. No, 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 by no please, way, because I, I, a I fan kind of get know. excited. Like I'm still learning about all this stuff, yeah. and I find it fascinating, and I really love talking about it. No,
0: so. this is why I have you on. It's you know, a, a, as a fan, I'm super fascinated with this, and you know, and, and I'll have some questions later. But please, please keep explaining.
1: Okay, cool. So one of the the things about becoming a union is that then. We will get benefits, mm-hmm. then um, minimum wage becomes an issue. Right. A fighter who is only getting 10 and 10, depending on where they live, uh, if they're only getting 10 and 10 and they have two fights in a year and they lost both of those fights, A, they're probably not in the UFC anymore. Right. But B, that is under the poverty level. They right. are That is far below um, minimum wage. And so, if the UFC were actually an employer of those people who are making so little money, they would have some answering to do for that. So, the point of Project Spearhead is to force the issue of, are we independent contractors or are we employees? Because right now, we're getting the worst of both worlds. We're getting none of the benefits of being an employee, and we are... uh, in theory, we're supposed to have freedom as independent contractors. That's the appeal to being an independent contractor, not just in fighting, but in in the rest of the world, is that you're your own boss. You take jobs when you want, and you don't mm-hmm. if you don't want to. Um, so, we, <laughs> we like to think that we're our own boss, right. but at the end of the day, the UFC is regulating all these minute details and... We're effectively not independent contractors I mean, because of that. Basically, you're so told, what we have to do is get yeah, tell yeah, me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So basically, you're told when to go, what to wear, um, you know what you have to do, uh, media obligations. You're you're basically treated like an employee, but without the benefits of being an employee. Like let's say Walmart, for instance, they're not unionized, but they're still regulated. You know, there's a there is a set of rules they have to follow.
1: Yep. Yes, there is. And they still have to, even though they're not unionized, they, I don't know a ton about Walmart, but I'm going to go with what you said about them not being unionized. No, they're not. even though they're not unionized,
0: tell me, yes. Yeah, no, no, they're not for sure. But I'm just, um, and they're one of the famous cases too, for years, you know, they've been trying to be unionized and this and that, but they still are regulated. They still, you know, there, there's still rules that they have to follow or, you know, laws are broken. You know, they can't, basically, they can't abuse their employees and, you know, they have to be treated a certain way. But in your case, I'm, I i don't know why I brought up Walmart, but in your case, you have none of that. No regulate. You're not regulated hardly at all.
1: Yeah. No, Walmart is a great example because you're right. Even though they don't have a union, they still, those workers have more protection than right. we do right. in the UFC. They still are required to get overtime pay. They Mm -hmm. still are required to get minimum wage. Right. And they still have um, (laughs) rights. And we don't have any of those. Yeah, great point. Walmart workers, even Walmart workers have it better than us.
0: Goodness. (laughs) Now, uh, feel free to use that on future podcasts. So I I recently heard you, uh, the last podcast I heard you on was uh, Cajun and Shaq who, I, I know those guys in kind of a comedic way. And uh, so I, I heard you on them I mean, we talked, you talked about a lot of the same stuff. And then the week after, uh, John Fitch comes on a little bit critical about what you were doing. Did you have you heard anything about that? No,
1: I haven't heard anything about that. Can, did you listen to the whole thing? Can you give
0: me the scoop about so it? Is I will that give cool? you the scoop. Um, he basically said, you, you know, I don't know this word for word, it, it's only about a 20 minute podcast, but he said that he's not sure why you're doing this he questions that you don't have ulterior motives and he doesn't think that it's good at this point that you are just targeting UFC fighters. So I guess I was just wanted to give you a chance to um, address those points. Mm, Address my ulterior motives? Well, no, I don't think you have ulterior motives, but I mean, I just thought it was odd he would say that because I think in the end, I would think in the end you guys wanted the same things, but I think uh, really just address why you're just starting with UFC fighters. I mean, what is your approach on that?
1: Hmm. Totally. And, um, so the reason, well, uh, first, as far as John Fitch and the MMAFA goes, I really applaud all, all the progress that they've made with the Ali act and for the individual people Mm. who, who are seeking damages with the antitrust lawsuit. I do hope that they get it. I, I want the best for all of those people, but I got kicked out of that group for being pro union. Oh, ah, okay. Um, yeah, like I got kicked out, like, like escort yourself out of the group, um, for being pro union. It was actually after I asked Kobe Bryant, um, about if he thinks that the union, the basketball players union, Mm-hmm the players association has benefited him in his personal life and basketball as a whole. And then Kobe Bryant was a hundred percent behind a union and encouraged all of the UFC fighters to do so as well. Right. And, uh, and it was shortly after that, that I got kicked out of the MMA and Here's the thing is that I, I'm i not against any of those guys. I know right. you wanted to talk about the Bellator or, or UFC thing, but no, I'm going to no, no, get no, there. No. I just kind of wanted to address well, it. See, like, I, I don't want know. infighting with any of these groups. We are all after the same thing. Right. And the main reason that the infighting is going on is because they feel, and this is important for people to know too, mm-hmm. they feel that by forming a union and seeking employee status inside of the UFC that we will be solidifying the monopoly that the UFC has over MMA.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And, yeah, so what they're saying is that instead of promoters competing against promoters to get a good fight, um, the UFC doesn't compete against anyone, Because they just sign the athletes. They only have the athletes fight within the organization. And so the UFC doesn't need to compete with anybody else. So that lowers the competition aspect. And then once I sign with the UFC, I'm essentially agreeing not to compete against anybody who's not in the UFC, Mm -hmm. even if they are the most ideal fight, the most competitive fight. Right. So I understand what they're saying. I hear that and I get it. But... Um, I, I also, in conversations with Rob Macy, who is one of the lawyers, one of the main people of the MMAFA, one of the lawyers of the lawsuit, he, he, he said that his vision is to see the UFC broken up and to have a lot of smaller leagues created. Oh. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that a lot of those guys are behind it is because they're sour grapes at the UFC. Well, that's my impression. Not to reduce what's
0: that? That was my impression, too. I mean, when he was talking about that, I'm like, I I don't know. I didn't understand. I didn't understand where he was going. I didn't know about the whole MMAFA thing. And uh, so that is very educational and enlightening for me. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. And and they do have good points. Like, some of them did get screwed. And, yeah. like, you know, Kung Lee and John Fitch and Randy Couture, they all have legitimate beefs. and I'm not trying to delegitimize no. those beefs, But I'm also not trying to destruct the UFC right. and break it up into smaller leagues. I appreciate the UFC as the vehicle that's brought MMA to the mainstream, and I'd like to... I'd like to keep fighting for them. I think that they're doing good things as far as marketing and, and bringing MMA mainstream. I think that that's a good thing. I, I do think that it needs to be fixed, though. It does need to be changed. So by working towards employee status and getting a union, yeah, um, I am not automatically giving the UFC antitrust immunity. Right. And that, I feel like, is the biggest fear from that group as far as what I'm going for. Rob Macy went so far as to say when I sat down with him that uh, the two goals are diametrically opposed, that the goals of the association and the goals of a union in the UFC, diametrically opposed. That's about as hard of a line as one could take on uh, on not collaborating. Yeah. So, I... (laughs) So um, I appreciate everything those guys are doing, and I do not want the infighting. No. I, I respect them, and in the whole scheme of things, ultimately, I see the MMAFA being an association that's like an umbrella over all right. of MMA, and that we will be able to have a UFC union as well as a Bellator union. So that is um, the second part of your question, is why just the UFC right. for now? And the reason is because I can see a very clear path. Okay. I can see exactly how this goes. We need to get 150 signatures. As soon as we have that, then we hand it over to the National Labor Relations Board. Okay. The National Labor Relations Board will look at the criteria, determine whether or not we are employees or independent contractors, if they say we're independent contractors, then there's no union. Right. Then, then that effectively solves the question, answers the question. Right. And it'll enable us to focus on making change in the ways that will actually affect change, as opposed to just wondering which way is it going to go and what has possibilities. So um, um, I see that path. I see that once we get determined employees, then the next step is we'll ask the UFC to voluntarily recognize us yeah. as a union. And if they say yes, then that's wonderful. If they say no, um, I think we still have to have an election either way. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other aspect of this that I think that you and a lot of other people will find fascinating is that even though Project Spearhead is doing all its legwork right now Mm -hmm. to get us to the point where we can have an election, that doesn't mean that Project Spearhead is guaranteed to win the election. Literally any other group can show up uh, at the time of the election and put themselves in the running.
0: Okay. So how many signatures? You have to get 150. How many are you at now?
1: Mm, I am not going to release information oh, okay. about names of anybody who is not on the board or oh, gotcha. how many signatures we have.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was curious. I didn't know that. Um, you did do one thing. No, you, no worries. It's a
1: legit <laughs> question. It's a great question.
0: You you did do one thing I, did, I didn't think anyone would be able to do, and you have uh, Cajun Johnson and Al Iaquinta working together, so that that's pretty neat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is pretty neat. I... Um, at the end of the day, if fighters, even though, even though they strongly can dislike each other, I'm not speaking to Al right. and Cajun, I'm speaking in general. Right. A lot of fighters don't like each other, but at the end of the day, well, they're fighters. we're the ones who understand what's going on. We're right. the other fighters. Like we're technically on the same team as far as like the fighters against the rest of the world right. even though we don't need to be fighters against the world i don't i don't even like that phrase no
0: I know. um
1: as far as fighters like banding together to fight for their rights like we are the band we are the group What's... we we r- need to recognize that we have the same struggles and um unify to an extent in order to deal with those struggles you know i don't know a whole lot about cajun but i do know al
0: a little bit and You know, he's in a unique position. He talks about it all the time. Like, he doesn't need to be in the UFC, but he likes to fight. He wants to fight. He has another, you know, source of income, but not everyone's like that, you know, in his position. Not everyone speaks up from themselves, you know, and not everyone else plans for what happens next. And they're, you know, they think they're just stuck. And, you know, I, I don't know what kind of protection would be available. You know, you have two fights in recent history where, let's say, two fighters didn't make weight, right? The other fighters coerced to fight and show up and both succumb to knockouts. And it's, you know, Luke Rockhold and Ricardo Lamas, you know, and what other job do people show up, do what they're supposed to do only for the rules to get changed in the last second? I mean, and on top of that, possibly not getting paid for the day.
1: Yeah. And that's horrible. And that 100% shouldn't happen. And that is definitely something that we need to address because that is something that had that's a. A fighter problem. That's a fighter issue. Right. It's a common issue for fighters. It's a common issue for the whole industry that everybody has to deal with. Yeah. But at this point, the burden of dealing with it lies on the fighter. And it shouldn't be like that. No. They should not be coerced into taking fights with people who are overweight. No. Or taking a last-minute opponent. Or, um... <laughs> like, it, it just that's okay for that to be forced upon them. If they want to do it, fine, that's yeah. great. But if they don't want to do it, that's not okay. Another example of things that weren't okay, not, not to uh, glide over that, because yeah. that is a really big point. That's a huge aspect of the union, is that if we do our jobs, then we need to get paid. If we do our jobs all the way up and mm-hmm. weigh in on the scale, and have done all the media obligations and have been wearing the Reebok stuff for the whole week after investing thousands of dollars inside of a training camp. Right. Um, if the other person can't make it, then that shouldn't cost us. If, if we, if the fighter lives up to doing their job and somebody else falls out, for whatever reason, you know, maybe they get sick. Like it's, not necessarily malicious, it's yeah. just how things go, then, but the burden shouldn't be on the fighter to absorb all of
0: that. Well, let's put it if, this way. It, even uh, in, it, if this was kids wrestling, guess what? It's a scratch. You win. You know, you win, you move on to the next bracket yeah. or whatever, but you know, here, it, it's not the case. You know, you show up, you make weight, you should, I mean, this is my opinion obviously, but it's a win. You, I mean, it should count on your record. It should be a win-loss thing.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, because It's not just, you know, the phrase is that a fight is won or lost far away from the lights, far, far away from the stage. It's won or lost, not in front of the crowd, but in those months leading up to the fight and that mental preparation and that physical preparation. And so anybody who puts themselves through a training camp, they've done Mm -hmm. the work and they should get paid for it.
0: Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you know, this most recent example with Yoel Romero and Luke Rockhold. So, Luke gets knocked silly, and you know Romero molests him in the ring or whatever happens after that, and then you know Luke's shuffled to the back. Romero gets the next title shot at middleweight. You know, and what universe is that fair? I mean, how much money did he get paid to make that worth it? I don't. You know, maybe he thinks it's worth it, but I I wouldn't think so.
1: Yeah, because eventually it turns into more than just a job. There's pride and accomplishment, and and I mean that's a whole career. A fight like that can change the entire trajectory of a person's career. Yeah, momentum is such a big deal in fighting, not just inside of a fight, like where if something's happening up against the cage and someone's mouthguard flies out, right? And then the ref stops it immediately, and then have to reset, like everything gets thrown off. That's inside of the fight. But even outside of the fight, it's a big deal. As far as a career, I've recently even been wondering how much of my career is based on the fact that I had a great first fight. Mm -hmm. I got a knockout my first fight. I got a standing ovation and I got offered a three hundred dollar a month sponsorship immediately. Wow. And who knows how things would have gone if that hadn't happened? I don't know. It's right. um, it's fascinating to me to think about the different ways that the momentum can affect things like that. And so, something as um, small as a last-minute opponent change—yeah, small isn't the right word—but something as uh, not based on the fighter's performance or effort, like like a the opponent change um can really change the momentum of the trajectory
0: yeah um i couldn't agree with you more it's just it i mean it's just all fascinating to me and uh you know if people like you ally quinta you know occasion johnson if they didn't speak to this sort of thing like the casual fan like myself you know, wouldn't know i mean we would have no idea you know the infighting and i'm sure there's that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm positive that there's probably people on the roster that don't get paid very much that are afraid, very much afraid to speak their opinion or, or sign that paper.
1: Yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. There definitely are. And um, I'm hoping that we can change that. And by having Al and by having Cajun stand up and speak their minds and and I, I'd like to think that by me standing up and speaking, to these issues that it will inspire more and more fighters to live up to the courage and the strength that they embody for so many other people.
0: Well, I am uh I'm super happy, you know, that you're doing this and you know, I'll offer my help in any way possible so if you need a, a tweet, you know, retweeted or or you want to come on again, you, you are always always welcome. But I do have one last question before I let you go. Okay. You recently dabbled in some uh stand-up comedy. Now, I need to know, which is harder? Getting up in front of that crowd and doing stand-up or fighting?
1: <laughs> you know, it's amazing how similar they are. It's a bloodthirstyish ish crowd yeah. who sits there, and while they are happy to watch you be really successful, yeah. they're also not going to be bummed about seeing a train wreck. <laughs> um, I guess at least with the comedy, they would probably not be happy about seeing somebody run up and punch me in the face and like seeing blood. Like (laughs) I think that that would disturb them more than make them exciting. So like, that's kind of reassuring. Awesome. Well, that is, (laughs) but it's all, it's (laughs) yeah.
0: Oh, so that's a very good analogy. Please go. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry.
1: No, no, you're fine. Um, It's a lot of fun. They're very different. I'm sure that as I get better at the comedy, I actually have another show on March 16th in Bakersfield, and then I'll be doing another show on April 4th in Sacramento. Awesome. So I've been pursuing the comedy, and I'm having tons of fun doing it. It's actually a really, really nice and positive community. People are really, really wonderful and nice. Adam Hunter has been my uh, comedic mentor. Um and and through him I've been exposed to a lot. And it's it's wonderful. That's another thing that actually fighting and comedy have very much in common is that people are doing it for the love of it. So many comedians are not getting paid enough to uh support themselves but they continue to do it because they love it and so I guess that's kind of my thing. I like to do jobs that you don't always want to tell your grandparents about <laughs> and that you might not be able to buy lunch for, but right. they are tons of fun.
0: Uh, Adam's a good dude. I've actually got to meet him like three times and, uh, he, he's been on my show a couple times and I, I, my goal is I, w- I want to go to LA visit, do like a, I've never done stand up. That's kind of, it's kind of on my bucket list, you know, do three minutes somewhere and just see, I did it. And, uh, but no, what a good guy! And you want to talk us about something that you know he does—the MMA Roasted Podcast, which I love because I like MMA inside stuff and I love comedy. But if you've never been to one of his shows, I mean, it's it's a totally different deal. I mean, that guy kills it.
1: Yeah, he's awesome, and he's a good guy. Yes, he is he's, a good guy. Uh, he coaches kids wrestling. That's right. And um, can we give a show? just acknowledge the fact that he's about to have a baby yes, on the way? A baby he's About girl. to have a baby girl. Congratulations to him.
0: You. Yep, he's all nervous about it. And I, I think I told him this once before, but I'm like, yeah, just the fact that you're nervous about it, it probably means you're going to be a good dad. So, uh, you know, good good for you there. Yeah. but uh,
1: Totally. It means he cares. Hey, I know that you want to wrap this up, but yeah. I never did say that um, I, d- I wanted to address Bellator. Is that we are going after Bellator. Okay. We are collecting cards for Bellator as well. Now, whether it's going to be in the same union, uh, multi employer bargaining unit, or if it's going to be two separate unions, I'm not sure. We'll okay. see. We're going to have to figure that out. But we are collecting cards for Bellator. And that is because um, Cajun has laid it out as to how he sees a clear path. And so we are going after it. The ultimate goal is to help all the fighters, not just the UFC ones. That was just a starting
0: point. Mm-hmm. All right, so you hear that, John Fitch? Calm down. All right, but um, <laughs> all right. So, where can we find you? Where can we find uh, more info about Project Spearhead?
1: Awesome, thanks for asking. I am at Leslie Smith MMA on Instagram. That's kind of an amalgamation of my uh, of my just social media stuff. Okay, I mean it all is. And the, and the Project Spearhead. I'm also on Twitter at LeslieSmith underscore GF. But for people who really want to get deep into the Project Spearhead and not have any of my personality or lifestyle stuff as part of it, then they can follow Project Spearhead on Twitter, on Instagram, and there's a website www.projectspearhead.com and that basically lays out the path that i have explained but maybe it'll um maybe it'll be easier for some people to read about it than to listen to it for me
0: awesome well i will make sure i include all that in the uh show description as well in case you missed it don't stress out people it'll be there and uh thank you so much again for coming on it was it was a blast and i hope uh we get to do it again sometime
1: yeah, thank you for having me on. You're
0: very fun to talk to. Oh, well, thank you. So are you. Good luck with everything. Please keep me posted. <laughs> all
1: right, I will. Have a great rest of your
0: day. All right, you too. Thank you. That was awesome. Leslie Smith, everyone. So do what she said to do. Go to com. Follow her on all her social media. And until next time, this is Aaron Weinbaum. Shalom. Please remember to support the podcast by visiting the affiliate links on AaronSaysWhat.com. Are you looking for a permanent home for your podcast? Well, Spreaker can do it all. Spreaker will give you your own RSS feed that you can submit to other platforms, including iTunes. Spreaker's mobile app will let you record from your smartphone. Or you can use their web-based console with everything you need to record. Their podcasting plans include being able to host multiple shows, At no extra charge. Got a YouTube channel? Spreaker's got you covered. You can effortlessly upload your podcast audio to your channel. You can even move your current podcast to Spreaker without losing any of your iTunes subscribers. Try any plan 30 days for free using promo code ASW.